Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So receiving a picture of you with a statue of the Fonz can only mean one thing. You had to be in Milwaukee this weekend. How was it? Yes, indeed. It was a nice spring weekend. I don't know. There was snow in the background of the picture you sent me. So <laughs> There was snow everywhere. There was less snow when I left than when I arrived. But there was, yes, there was a lot of snow. I'll leave the basketball for a second but we did catch a baseball game little uh milwaukee brewers and miami marlins match i mean you cannot miss a game with that much dynamism (laughs) dynamicism but unfortunately my c's did not pull it out at the end jalen brown they're saying did get fouled on his drive to the basket and i think horford I mean, Horford was exhausted that game. He didn't really do that much because he was trying to limit um, Greek Freak the whole game. I mean, that's that's such a challenge. How do you like those Spurs gentlemen sweep uh, in the cards here by winning that one somehow? It sure looks that way. Sure looks that way. Um, how'd you like the actual Pelican sweep? And that was just a dominant one. I didn't know that. <laughs> that was. It was just that like felt so bad. No question that that was happening. It's that team is dangerous. Anthony Davis is is good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can see, like you can sort of see, like he's like, now I want a playoff game. Well, the only thing that's going to get in his way is is his own injuries. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that's derailed his career so far. He's been he has shown he is good and getting better. He just needs to be able to stay on the court all the time. Where do you sit on the Cavaliers and uh, and Pacers? Are you worried at all for the Cavaliers? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. um, I just wanted to ask. I just I just felt like we needed to get on the record. I mean, I I completely agree with you. In this series, no. But I mean, I think that it's this is not looking good for the Cavs and by any stretch of the imagination. It's. It's hard to see LeBron dragging this team to a finals. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're going to get the Raptors next. That is a team that they just destroy every single time somehow. But, I mean, what? Then the series goes to six games because this first series has is going to go to six, seven games. Uh, I mean, they're going to be exhausted. NBA aside... This week, we're going to try and workshop what to do if your team doesn't get wins. And I think we're both pretty much in agreement that this is an extremely elusive category. So Eric's going to try and lay out some of the basics, some of the stats surrounding wins. Then I'm going to talk about a new technique that I spent some time developing over the past week. Let's take it away, Eric. This feels like great timing. Our TGFBI team is really lack- lacking on the wins front, 
you know, hopefully this exercise can help us to identify some tactics and uh, plans for how to ameliorate mm. that in TGFBI. I'm excited. I'm in. Let's do some workshopping. This is not as straightforward a stat as others, like runs, RBIs, etc. Mm-hmm. So standard definition here of a win in the MLB. And I'm just going to, this is taken right from, from the source. So the winning pitcher is defined as a pitcher who last pitched prior to the half inning when the winning team took the lead for the last time. Whew. All right. Right? So just keep that in mind, everyone. Takes some people in the fantasy world a lot longer than others to realize it. Um, There are two exceptions to this rule. First is that the starting pitcher must complete five innings to earn a win. Four innings for a game that lasts five innings on defense. I mean, I I know that that's part of the rule, but I'm always a little hesitant. That part always gives me pause. I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen people complain about it before, but, you know, it is what it is. So if he fails to complete five innings, he's ineligible to be the winning pitcher, even if he last pitched prior to the half inning when his team took the lead for the last time. And the official score awards the win to the relief pitcher who, in the official score's judgment, was the most effective. When was the last time that it wasn't the pitcher? Like, can you think of a time where it wasn't the pitcher who the lead changed when they were on the mound? No. It's always, I, it's I, always what it is. But there have been a couple of news articles about it where, like, the winning pitcher was someone different than, you know, that rule. But that's so few and far between that that actually happens that it's that it's notable. And I guess I guess my takeaway would be that part of the rule is fairly irrelevant for fantasy. Right, right. But just keep track of it. So the other exception applies if the relief pitcher who last pitched prior to the half inning when the winning team took the lead for the last time was ineffective in a brief appearance <laughs> <laughs> in the official scorer's judgment. So here again, I mean, like, it happens all the time, though, that people get the, have a blown save and then get the win. It's like, did you really, did you, I mean, if you have a blown save, like, by definition, you shouldn't get the win. Yeah, I wonder if there's a better thing to do. Like, I wonder, like, do you, we don't really want it to necessarily just revert to the pitcher before, but maybe that makes sense. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, the blown save win combo, it can be pretty valuable in fantasy. <laughs> we'll have to talk to the fantasy sports czar about that one. Okay, let's do it. And I guess MLB official scorers. <laughs> Anyways, keep that keep those in mind on on what a win is and um, you know, hopefully that was illuminating for some of us out there. So let's keep rolling. Let's you want to do a little summary stat action Love here? Love to. Michael, we got to set the stage. So, Summary stats from all of 2017. Start with Max wins last year. Corey Kluber with 18. That's low. 18. That's low. That is so low. So low. And this is this is going to figure prominently in my section um, because last year is really an outlier in that in the mm-hmm. in the wins distribution. And so part of the question is: Is that actually a big like a sea change, or is that um, that we're seeing, or is is it just an outlier year? Is that the new normal? Yep. Or is it 
an outlier. And I think that there's, I mean, there's sort of a case to be made on both sides. Agreed. But you want to put a put a bet box here that there will be a 20-win pitcher this year? I think there's going to be a 20-win pitcher this year. Um, okay, well, where do I have to put it for you to say no? I think 21. I, th- I think if you put it at, yeah, if you put it at 21, I'll take the under. You'll take the under on 21. All right. All right, so max wins of 18 last year. Median wins of the universe of pitchers last year, two. Two wins. <laughs> that's pretty that's, remarkable. That's all pitchers, though, right? Or is that just starters? All pitchers. So that's that's all pitchers. Okay. I'll buy it. You'll buy two. Okay, so because that number is so low and ridiculous, um, and I gave you a little bit of a histogram here to, to show that, if you can tell which one's the full stats, um, it's pretty clear. I mean, two wins is half of the distribution. Now, if we just look at the top 200 pitchers, median is seven wins. That starts to get interesting. I love this, though, because it's not, you can't, it's not simple enough to just say that the median is seven wins to describe this. Right. Like, this is a full-on bimodal distribution. Oh, yes. Okay. So, and Mike is talking about, I, I put together two histograms. One, the first histogram shows, um, and of course, histogram puts a stat in two bins across the distribution. First one is for the universe of pitchers, all pitchers last year who pitched at least um, a partial inning, <laughs> completed a partial inning. And then I also did the top 200 pitchers according to the rankings mm. that... Um, that were these are cbs rankings and that distribution is very very interesting because it does show there is a kind of a it's like a normal distribution from zero to ten uh-huh it really is <laughs> and then and then you have nothing and then you have another slightly then you have basically the distribution that you saw in the full fractals man fractals the distribution that you saw in the universe of pitchers from 10 to 18. This, to me, looks like a probability density function, which is going to rear its ugly head again in my section. But I love it. Like I don't know, because you put, you put the... Then the thing that I really like is that you plotted that against ownership. Right, and so underneath that I, had, I have this against ownership. So number of wins... <laughs> by the uh, the ownership the current ownership so this is actually 2017 wins to 2018 ownership today it's garbage that really is garbage <laughs> it's garbage uh but you can see you can see a little bit of like there are a bunch of pitchers down at the bottom of the distribution from zero to somewhere between five and ten that are just not owned <laughs> You know, yeah. so their pitcher is getting their pitcher is getting five to eight wins, who are just not owned, who are less than twenty percent owned. So I tried. So I this garbage plot I put together. I I actually threw it through um, a correlation coefficient Ooh. analysis and zero point six four. So there's something there, okay. but but not really anything. There is there is something there. There's something there, but not really. Uh, so I did that as well. Um, again, I did the top 200. Really, it just it, it doesn't do anything. 
to change this to change this graph. Did you try the did you try the correlation there? Mm-hmm. Same number. It's worse. Really worse. It's worse. Yeah. Ooh. It's worse. Right. So that that actually suggests that people are bad at owning wins. They're worse than like a than a total ownership model. Yeah. Huh. But I think that's partly the closers you end up being weighted a little bit more. The closers who have zero zero weight sure. zero wins. Sure. You know, end up being weight. So there are a couple of th- things in there. But yeah, it's, it's worse. It's great. That's crazy. It's great. But there again, that tells you that people are owning owning pitchers who aren't necessarily getting them wins. Which means that if you wanted to have a a win strategy, you could do that at the cost of other. Um, I mean, but that's not a new finding, right? Like we, everybody knows that streaming is a vi- like streaming is one of the original fantasy, like trying to game the system things, right? Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely stream, right. streaming is one is like the simplest. All right, within the parameters of the rules, I will do this thing. So stream, uh, we, why don't we just talk sure. about it? So streaming is the, the idea of to maximize your chance of getting wins and Ks. What you're doing is you are picking up guys from the waiver wire and starting them when they have more starts or, or decent start opportunities. So the idea is that in that bulk, you're going to raise your probability of getting wins and getting and also you know, raise your K numbers and therefore try to grab those two categories. And if you can stay respectable in ERA and whip. Yeah. Can, can you do that? I, uh, you know, I'm trying to do that and it just doesn't seem possible. It's, I think it's, I think it's a really hard method. (laughs) It's, uh, it's, let me tell you, it's not working right now. Anyways, I think that's a whole bunch of like talk about wins. Um, really what's the biggest takeaway? from from all of this is that you know the wins wins are out there and um they might be hard to find though (laughs) in one you're not going to find a gem that's going to get you 20 wins you're probably not going to find a gem a a guy who's going to get you 20 wins let alone like a diamond in the rough right now that's going to get you 20 wins the rest of the season i think that's true i think that there's no way that at the end of the season that you come that we come back if there's a 20 win guy and say are you surprised like if we could time machine ourselves from the end of the season i don't think there's any way that we would be surprised yeah it's going to be somebody that today we would have said oh yeah i could see that right though again Porcello won like 22 games. Was that two years ago? Maybe he's just an every other year guy. I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. So the wins are out there. Find them. Occasionally we get a little too deep and nerd complaining and we have to cut it for time. Here's one of those examples. I got pretty upset when I got to the Yoda parts. Oh, and it's... Yeah, and it's the CGI fill-in. <sighs> yeah. You got upset about that? Yeah. Like, that puppet was so bad. That puppet is is worse than the 456 puppet, but the CGI Yoda is, like, the wrong shape. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't quite fix it in post. It's the wrong shape. 
What? Yeah, I know. This is actually a case where I developed a tool that was motivated because I kept hearing about something at work, which is the the use of Google Brain's TensorFlow for machine learning. Ooh. Now we've kicked around that was a lot of jargon. We've kicked around a yeah. bunch of t- a bunch of discussion about machine learning and the 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 learning curve has always seemed so steep and so hard and like when am I going to set aside enough time to do this? But it came to a point in my work life where it was worthwhile for me to at least be conversant in TensorFlow. Sometimes that's the reason that you learn these these tools is because you're like, geez, I need to do this one thing. I need to automate this task. And quite frankly, it's it really is a huge burden to do it in like your work stuff and like not want to do it, not care about it. But then you're like, you know what? I really want to figure out how to use Python to log onto <laughs> A, a website and you're like you know what that is going to be the impetus that i need yeah you're exactly right and so this like okay i need to be able to talk about this machine learning with people i need to know what it means when somebody says i'm going to use a neural net technique to minimize a cost function and use a basic sigmoid to do some logistic regression because that's what i did for this oh boy <laughs> oh boy <laughs> Neural net. You don't. You hate neural. I nets. do hate neural nets, and I'm gonna. I'll. You know, I sent you this figure, and I'm curious to know what yep. you what you think right off the bat. Which was, I built this neural net model that I don't trust at all. You know, I I adhere to the Harry Potter. Never trust something that you can't see where it keeps its brain. Right. Yeah, it's a good good policy. And I I feel that way about about TensorFlow on some level, but Google has made it fairly well documented. So I was able to jump in, and I sent you a plot. I predicted the number of wins that the that all pitchers got in 2017, and then I plotted this versus their actual wins. What do you think? Well, well, Michael, I, I just have to tell you that no matter how bad Bartolo Colon looks, he cannot get you a negative win. Yeah, so <laughs> first things to notice, uh, the machine actually wants to assign negative wins to people. <laughs> <laughs> the machine like this is this is like one of the overarching problems with machine learning right is that the machine doesn't the machine only knows ultimately what you tell it and i couldn't figure yep. out how to tell the machine like there's no such thing as negative wins just zero it out and so i didn't i didn't go back to to try and zero out the wins because of course if you look at a real distribution there's so many pitchers that have zero wins you you presented this in your own in your own piece that you know the median is two, so there's going to be a t- there's just this massive tail. And the machine was not quite ready to deal with the tail, and I'm gonna I'll mention a couple potential reasons for that. But okay, so pretend like there's nobody with negative there's nobody with negative wins. Okay. what do you think? What else do you think? <laughs> the other thing that you can see is that there's um right as we were talking about that five to 10 wins category, you're uh, got a lot of over, yeah, over projection. Yeah. Those people should be winning more games. Yes. And I, I struggled with this a little bit. This is another thing that I, um, that I sort of had to come to grips with in terms of, uh, in terms of, 
machine learning, which was there's a lot of tuning that goes into this process. There was much more yeah, tuning absolutely. than I expected there to be when I initially started this. Um, you know, you talk a lot about how well, you just throw the data at the machine and then it, it figures out the model. Well, okay, sort of, but also I had to I had to define exactly how the machine should look around the data. And mm -hmm. that's where things started mm -hmm. to break down, which was when I alluded to the cost function, you have to decide on some functional form for how the machine searches. And so I tuned it to be a little bit more optimistic than the 2017 projections because of all the reasons that we were talking about in your section. Right, the projections don't, don't give people wins. Lately. That's right. And I didn't want to be so pessimistic if i if i threw this at it in the most naive way i didn't predict a single pitcher would get more than 15 wins this year and i just wasn't willing to do right. that like in my own head i don't care that that's what the tuning of 2017 says i just don't think that's true and so this is sort of where i run into the problems that I did preferentially tune this to be sort of what <laughs> I wanted it to look like. I am curious, what data is this actually using? Oh, I am glad that you asked. So I I um I built a I built a whole database out of that had these are the here's what I decided on. I decided that I wanted to look at innings pitched, games started total batters faced, strikeouts, walks, home runs, and then I was curious about losses as well to see if I could okay. see if I could predict that. In the end, after I did a after I did quite a bit of tuning and ran the model a few times, I settled on a model that only uses total batters faced, strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And those were in 2017 or 2017. 2017, 2017 okay to predict 2018 wins. So this model that I'm showing you right now is the 2017 wins. It's it's okay. the it's after oh, after okay. I tuned the model, this is how close the model was able to get predicted. Okay. I and see. so then I took that those four parameters, total batter's face, strikeouts, walks and home runs, and then I checked that to try and predict out to 2018, which I'll mention in a minute. Um you may have noticed that okay. I I left off I ended ended up leaving off game started, as we discussed also at the beginning, did not have as large of a bearing on the total number of wins. Mm -hmm. It does make a lot of sense. Strikeouts were the most prominent feature of the model. I could see that. I mean, strikeouts are really important, especially in this day and age. Yeah, so here's the thing. It identified strikeouts in this order. Strikeouts most important, home runs next most important, walks third most important. Hmm, like a, a three-two yeah. outcome scenario? <laughs> yeah. Are you able to dominate the three-true outcomes uh, from the pitcher side? That's right. Are you able to control the three-true outcomes? Really interesting. That is really interesting. That's important. All right, enough beating around the bush. Let me give you some hard and fast predictions here. So I Nice, tuned, I like it. This is what our listeners want. I tuned the model on 2017 and then i said all right here's what's up let's get 2018 and figure out and and figure out what we can predict from uh, five games worth you know five games worth of data right. essentially all right number one most game winner patrick corbin comes in with 18 wins 
So the model predicts, even after, after all the tuning, Patrick Corbin's at 18 wins. Second place, Cole Hamels. Hollywood I mean Hamels. It. I Love mean it. it. So his peripherals, at least as he's pitched it this year, and I mean, I'm going to keep updating this because I'm curious to see what it does over the course of the year. But uh, Cole Hamels, and then, I mean, I know that you love to think about the sniff test, so Max Scherzer's up here. Good. Uh, That's important. I was Clayton Kershaw's at the high end. He could be higher. <laughs> this, this in theory, shouldn't know anything about his injuries. Right. Or it is, or it does know about it. I mean, I, I mean, who knows what it ended up ingesting? <laughs> but um, you know, Justin Verlander's up here. It's like you know, it really is a laundry list of the guys that that you talked about. Chris Sale's up here. Steven Strasburg's up here. Garrett Cole's up here. I mean, it's it's all guys that you sort of expect. What about a couple surprises that I'm interested in? Yeah, you highlighted one. Andrew Kashner, 14 wins with this model. Interesting. That is trying to say that if he is able to continue what he's doing right now, I definitely have looked at him. I've looked at him longingly on the the waiver wire list, and then I remind myself, like, well, like go home waiver wire list. And <laughs> so drunk. this model believes in Andrew Kashner. Um, this model also believes in Julio Tehran. Also believes in Blake Snell, who actually does look pretty good this year. Oh, I mean, Blake looks, Snell! All that over pitching last. That's last exactly season. right. Um, you know, in a few darlings, Lance McCullers makes the list. I, I think we, I think we both like him. Um, Dylan Bundy yeah. on the list. Interesting. Interested to know what you think of that. He's owned in TGFBI by you yep. and I, so we gotta hope. Anyways, this was this was uh, this was pretty good. I like this. Yep. First foray. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for the machine to learn many other things. Post it up on the GitHub's, and we will be, we'll be rocking. Are you about ready to wrap this sucker up? Let's move to the transition here. I, uh, I wanted, I highlighted this. We don't get to talk about random betting markets enough. <laughs> Should we call up our British brokers and put a bet on what the name of the new royal child is going to be? Are you, are you thinking Arthur? I think Arthur is the prohibitive favorite. I, all right, let's do I it. Just, let's, let's call I just up. love the fact that, like, the markets are so much looser in Britain, and you can bet on just a huge range of things. Oh yeah, no, you posted this article. It's crazy. It's crazy all the things that you can you can bet on, and but like, they're they are really predictive as well. Yeah, I mean, betting markets have been shown to be very predictive of of outcomes, and it's like. Like who, like who, who is who is actually betting on this stuff? I, I mean, they have to have a large enough sample size. But Nate Silver periodically refers to betting markets, right, to get yeah, a sense no, of what's does. out there. And you know, they're they're not that wrong. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. No, they're they're in the realm of possibilities. I, mean, I, I guess when I guess the adage like "put your money where your mouth is" really makes people evaluate what they think is going to happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the way. Like if it was, if it was for just bragging rights, like no one yeah. would care. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, from there back to baseball. Have you did Did you see this article on five thirty eight about um, everybody wants to go home during extra innings? <laughs> maybe even the. Ump's. I did, and I the th- I thought the distribution of the strike zone was really interesting. It's pretty good. So this article shows. Basically, then, and uh, 
than extra innings in late in games, really. Um, umpires expand the strike zone for um, pitchers of the team that's ahead, and they shrink the strike zone for players on the team that's behind. And we all know it. <laughs> I think it would have been... I, I, it'd be interesting to see if the, if the dependence is even stronger if it's a home team. Oh, ooh, ooh! I'm not gonna. We're not gonna start looking at this, but yeah, that's no. It probably is, yeah. Because you, I mean, just really though, or if there's cold weather, like right yes. now, they're looking at yes. beginning of the season and an especially cold season. Like, ump's just like, can I please get the car going? Because I do not want to be out here anymore. We'll see if we can correlate it with the ump's ability to have a remote car starter. <laughs> Oh, all these things. Now that you're working in artificial neural networks, you're like, just throw as many <laughs> as many vectors at this problem as possible. Yeah, we can always use more data. The model can definitely ingest that. You know who did not use a lot of data was George Lucas in coming up with this movie that we're going to talk about, <laughs> Phantom Menace. Did you watch, have you ever watched any of the, the making of documentary? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> that have. I mean, of that documentary. Honestly, I should have had us just watch the documentary instead. <laughs> like, we could have that. That would have been, been really funny. Um, I I don't think we'd wish that upon anybody else, but it's pretty interesting. It's pretty telling. Okay, do you think that the that the lightsaber duels in this? Was this a good direction to take lightsaber duels in? Because it is a total change from episodes four, five, and six, and that has persisted through every movie since then. That they've been more like episode yes. one than four, yeah. five, six. Because it was less, yeah. Because four, five, six was more like fencing with a little bit of flourish, yeah. And then it changed to like jumping around and aerial acrobats. I feel like the first time that you watch it, it's so much more awesome. And I think that this movie is the only one that really holds the rewatchability of the yes. duels. 100% agree. Of the, yeah. Yes. I mean, they sort of, I, I would say episode seven and eight are a little bit more of trying to go back to the original movies. Less flourishy and less like in your face i mean i think i think they 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 hit the jackpot with darth maul well i mean he's a mixed martial artist he, was, he wasn't supposed he wasn't trained to be an actor he, he was trained to be the stuntman in terms of getting excellent lightsaber battles they hit the absolute jackpot with the character and the actor yeah and obi-wan was at the exact right age to like be able to do yes. it and yeah, they. I mean, ah, they were good. And then they they saw that, and they were like, "Well, Jar Jar was really bad, so let's double down." And then they decide to have spinning Yoda and Count Dooku, and like, okay, right? You know what? In watching this, one of the things that I I thought to myself was, "This looks it looks really good." in my opinion, of the right mix of, like, real sets 
and CGI. And it's sort of like a CGI that's like a little bit, just a little bit more cartoony than I want it to be. Yeah, agreed. But, but like still, you know, kind of fun. Like you're going around Coruscant and it's like, okay, well, that's fake, whatever, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, but he just like, they put so much more effort into CGI rather than doing anything in the real world. And that's where, and he took the like, oh, these four scenes had really bad CGI, and he was like, we're going to put so much money in to make sure that there aren't four scenes that have crappy CGI, that we have CGI in everything. So let's just fixate on the good things. Pod racing, lightsaber duels. Pod racing is fun. All right, so, I mean, if we have said anything about... We did not say anything positive about this man in the last review, but John Williams just killed it. In the Phantom Menace uh, he soundtrack. Did. That was, I forgot to mention that I love that part of the uh, making of as well. So let's continue. And you'll, you'll think about it as like the song that you played in your middle school band. Jurassic Park. I was hoping. I was hoping. It's bad time. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Sea. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Sea. All I've got left is, we're still luck to you, buddy. We're still luck to you, too. <laughs>